His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and I probably said this about a lot of them, but this one is really one of mine is, um, I really like where Jesus is talking in John. I like that, where he's praying and he's talking. And uh, John 17, he's talking to the Father. And Jesus is praying, and guess what? You can pray anything Jesus prays. You're allowed to. Anything he prays, you get to pray. And so I'm reading, and um, this is my new favorite Bible. It's really a good Bible. It is. It's really good. And uh, I have like 15 translations laying out all over everywhere, but... um, I really like this one, and and, um, it just says things simple, but yet kind of different than you thought before, or anyway, so Jesus prayed this, Father, my time's come, so he's getting ready to face the cross, he's getting ready for this trial beyond trials, and he knows it, but he says, Father, my time's come, it's time for me. And then he says, glorify your son, and I will glorify you. And immediately I heard the Lord saying, you can pray that. And I'm like, well, then what were you saying? I'm thinking if he's saying glorify your son because my time's come, then give me enough strength to get through this trial is what I'm thinking. But it means a lot more than that. And I'm going, can I really, you know, it's just like the Abraham blessings and all of that. You know, we've all, a lot of us have been in church and heard teachings. And how many of it soaks in? How much of it really hits you? you? How much of it is really, really real? It's like he has to keep peeling back things to get us to the place where we believe something. Like that he really thinks we're great. When you're by yourself and your thoughts are, I'm not so great, I failed you again. A lot. And I'm going, that's not what you think. I know, I've been told that. I've been told that's not what you think. When is it going to go from what I hear? And Maybe I wasn't hearing so well, Tony, I'm sorry. I had to go to the bathroom and I thought, oh good, he's going to pray. And so I stood up. <laughs> Now, isn't that how you miss things anyway? Because something's going on. Sorry. It was amazing teaching. It was. I agree with you 100%. I do. Anyway, I'm going, okay, then what does this mean? What does this mean for me? So I said, Father, glorify me that I will glorify you. Now, Ron and I, and I think we're in seasons of relinquishment. Guess what? Your whole life is a season of relinquishment. Anybody, uh, the songs, I surrender all. I mean, I remember years ago with Billy Graham and the different songs, just as I am, here I come, I mean it, everything today. And so our whole lives are surrenders. 
You know, I felt like the Lord told me to look at my journals. And I haven't wanted to because I thought, oh, I was probably rotten back then and I don't want to read about it. You know, I that, see, because I get that mentality and I'm reading it and guess what I'm saying? Oh, Jesus, I love you more than anything. I surrender. Please, God, let my life just be what you want it to be. All my life I've done that. All our lives we do do that because we're his. Oh, I'm just going to tell you about superheroes. I like watching them. They're okay. But there ain't one of them that created you. I mean it. We all want a hero. We want superheroes. And I like Wonder Woman. Okay. But saying all that, there ain't one of them that could begin to create you. The world is missing the message that the one who loves us created us and owns us. Do you know what? You're already owned whether you want to be or not. Okay, that was just, that's where my brain's been lately. Okay, glorify me that I may glorify you. That's, I challenge you to pray that, but then you better find out what you're asking. And Father gave him strength and courage and grace to go to death, hell, and the grave. That's pretty, pretty great glory. Get me through what I'm going through now. Glorify me. I've, I've asked that one. Okay, but this is also what glory, glorious, and glorify means. So full and shining, bright in majesty, and all the divine attributes of God. Love, joy, peace, kindness, hope, faith, patience, courage, on and on. Glorify me that I can glorify you. I think it's even higher than I surrender. Not that I surrender isn't where you want to go. But there's got to be a next step. Glorify me. Fill me so deeply with your attributes that I glorify you. And that's been my prayer. When I look at creation, I, I am amazed with creation. I am very childlike when I look at creation. I think bugs are amazing. I do. We just had one on the bathroom floor about that long with about 50 legs. I mean, somebody created that. I think watching babies born is amazing. I loved watching our lambs born. I love all of creation and to think that God is so loving and intricate that he could create every little detail even your freckles if you have them I mean seriously that's way beyond superhero come on created every loving stroke to create such beauty and perfection in all of creation. If such is the creation of all things with no soul, so I'm not talking man here right now, no soul, then I wonder about us, his children, created with his soul, created with his heart, created with his mind. You guys, we have to be amazing. Amazing. 
you know, Ron and I have pastored all of you for 27 years and a lot of you the whole time. I personally respect you all. I know your lives. I know you all. I know you. And I think you're amazing. I do. I don't know how amazing God thinks we are. But I want to find out. Glorify. Glorify yourself in me. I want to see like you see. We were created perfectly with no flaw. No flaw. Now, I want you to see something. The beginning. God created the world with no flaw. Only place we're going to see that's heaven now. No flaw. Perfect. Because that was his heart. And then he put man, Adam and Eve, in this absolutely beyond imagination garden where I believe the animals <coughs> were so tame that it wasn't just a cute puppy dog coming up. Maybe the gorillas and the lions and the, I don't know, but they were adorable. It wasn't hard to name them. He saw the lion yawn and goes, that's a lion. You know, Adam named him, but it was out of love. It was out of such glorious creation. Our father loved us so much, he put us in perfection on earth. And then something happened. But he put us in perfection. His intention is perfection. His intention is good. His intention is to give. His intention is glory. It just is. And everything that taints that is a lie. Every sickness and disease and problem is a lie. And we got to battle through it. So here's Genesis. This is in my new voice Bible. Genesis 3. Of all the wild creatures the eternal God had created, the serpent was the craftiest. And the serpent said to the woman, Is it true that God has forbidden you to eat fruits? From the trees of the garden. I mean, they've got all of this glory. No serpent. God said we're free to eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. We are granted access to any variety and all amounts of fruit with just one exception. The fruit from the tree found in the center of the garden. And God instructed us not to eat or touch the fruit of that tree or we die. Die, said the serpent. No, you won't die. God's playing games with you. The truth is, because you know how loving he is, you know how kind he is, he's just playing a game. The truth is, God knows the day you eat the fruit from that tree, you will awaken something powerful in you. And you'll become like him. They already were like him, by the way. Possessing knowledge of both good and evil. And the woman approached the tree, eyed its fruit, coveted it, its mouth-watering, wisdom-granting beauty. And then she offered the fruit to her husband. Oh, she plucked a fruit from the tree <coughs> and ate. And then she offered the fruit to her husband, who was close by, and he ate as well. 
Suddenly, their eyes were open to a reality previously unknown. The reality was the enemy had come and destroyed the perfect beauty and trust of mankind. Through that one little lie, he had destroyed man's trust. Man had trusted the Father so greatly, and now man didn't trust anymore. Sin enters through pride, and I'm going to tell you something about pride. Pride isn't always, I think, I'm better. Pride is being disgruntled and never having enough. Pride entered the garden, and even Adam had everything. And they were disgruntled because they didn't have the one thing. You know, Ron and I have talked over and over. We, we believe this. It's one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible. Godliness, which is just being connected in trust to Jesus. Godliness with contentment is the greatest gain you'll ever have. You want to hear it from some old lips? It's the truth. Years of wisdom. Connect to Jesus and be content. He's in control. Sin enters through pride, and it blinds us, and it destroys. Then the cross of humility came. It entered and it destroyed pride, sin, and blindness. And I'm going to tell you something else it destroyed. The constant condemnation of you blew it. I don't know how we're going to get this, but God wants it off of us. God wants his children happy again without the you blew it. You blew it. You didn't do that one thing perfectly. So I wrote, now as a seeing child, beloved by my father, my creator, my breath, I'm in wonder. I'm in wonder. I'm loved. I'm cared for. I'm cherished. More of you. I'm letting go. Less of me. Fill me completely. Glorify me that I may bring you glory. Grace for the new. Every time you relinquish, there's something new coming. Grace for the new. Grace for fallen things. Anybody lost anything? Is there anything fallen? Grace to let go, yield, are made completely new. Every situation, let it go. Let it go. He fixes old. The Israelites were tripped by their own goodness, their own works, their own wisdom, their own reputation, their station in life. They were tripped by pride. The tree that they ate of was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Israelites couldn't handle the knowledge of good. I'm going to tell you the church can't handle the knowledge of good the same way. 
And you're going to hear why. They got tripped. Jesus called them fools. Here's a fool at the altar saying, I thank you. I'm not like so-and-so, and I'm not like so-and-so, and I'm glad I don't look like them. I'm glad I don't act like them, and I'm not like so-and-so. Does this sound like anything you hear on the news or anywhere else? Tripped by goodness, their own goodness. The Jews were given law, and they started taking the law with the knowledge of good and evil, and they were tripped by goodness. And I felt like the Lord said, I want you untripped by goodness. You know, you all know how to repent when you've done something bad. Anybody here said, God, I'm sorry. I know I blew that. But what is tripping the church is goodness. And Paul described it. 1 Corinthians 1.19. Jesus called the Pharisees fools because they were tripped by it. I will dismantle the wisdom of the wise tree of knowledge of good and evil, think about it. I will invalidate the intelligence of the scholars. So where is the wise man who understands? Where are the experts? Where is the goodness? Do you realize in the world, people who are living far from God are the ones who give more to charity, and they're the ones that say, look how good we are, and they're the ones that say, let's talk kindness, let's speak the words of kindness, because they are only looking at the knowledge of good, and they haven't come to the relationship of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear this. This is huge. It would break the power of religious spirit in our country if we would be set free from this thing. Paul said, where are they? Hasn't God demonstrated on the cross at mankind's best? It's insufficient, it's fallen, it's flawed, even foolish, mankind's best. The Pharisees were doing their best. I tithe even mint and cumin. Come on, I'm a good man. I do the right things. I do the work. I'm not a slacker. For in his wisdom, God designed that all men could offer their very best, and it would be insufficient to lead them to the total source and need of their life. You could do your best. The world can praise you. You can be the best. You can have the top. And it would be insufficient to lead you to the one source you need. There is only one you need. A relationship of total yielded love to God. He took the cross, the death of the perfect man, the father did, who also was his son, Therefore, the Son of God, to end the foolishness of man's pride, man's wisdom, and man's goodness. Whew. Now, are we utterly created wonderful? Yes, but by connection, by breath, not by our own merit. It is finished. It is finished, Jesus said. The perfect man, the Son of God, proclaimed it at his death. Behold, now I, through my breath and my life, make all things new. God killed the goodness of mankind on the tree, not just the evil, so he could bring the new. Jesus died on the tree of the knowledge of good evil 
Jesus died on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He did. It's the tree in the garden. And he died on it. Because as long as you're locked in, I'm trying to be good. I'm going to do the very best I can. I'm working hard. You are under the condemnation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you will fail. How many times have I seen someone who is an incredible artist and they notice the one flaw in the picture that they did? How many times have you done something that God said was glorious and you point out to him what was wrong? Anybody there? That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Galatians 3, 1 through 5 says, Are you crazy? Has someone put a spell on you? That you have you lost your mind? It's obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus who was on that cross of good and evil in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice for you on the cross was clearly explained, wasn't it? So how did you begin this new life? Because you tried harder? Because this time you were going to work a little more and follow the laws a little greater and you were going to follow the Ten Commandments and you were going to be an outstanding Christian? How did you come to this? I'm telling you, this whole area is bound by a stinking religious spirit and God wants to break the power of it by us being free, totally free in him. Not by our goodness, our deeds. I'm not saying that if he's connected to you, you won't have good things. In fact, he'll, he'll take your gifts and glorify himself. But it will be by his breath and not by your perfection. Paul was saying, have you begun this way that now you're striving I told Ron, I said, when we get to get in these places of letting go of everything, I mean, I've had to let go of my husband. I've had to let go of everything. God, I did the work. I'm not a slacker. I, I tried to be a good mother. I tried to do this. I did the best I knew how. I worked hard. There's a lot of you bound by this. You're working hard, but you have no freedom. God is wanting freedom where we let him enjoy us and we enjoy him. You know what? If you weren't raised in church and if you weren't raised with religion and if you weren't raised in the Bible Belt, I just had, I just talked to some of the leaders of Bethel because we're now affiliated with Bethel, which I'm excited for. As a church, we're affiliated and and we'll have their encouragements and have those things. and And they said to us, man, it must have been tough to be in the area you live in, and I don't know how they knew, and be a woman pastor. And I said, oh, yeah. I said, I hide behind my husband in most places because pastor is man. It just is. Has he brought us to a place of new life where we're working our heads off to please God? Or is it by responding to the message of salvation? Was it by faith in God? Or was that by your own efforts to save yourself? How did you begin? Jesus, I'm trusting you. 
How are you going to end? Jesus, I'm trusting you. God doesn't want us measuring our lives. Do you understand? God doesn't want us criticizing others. He doesn't want us in that. You can't come into unity when you're always looking at what's wrong. If you weren't wise enough or strong enough to begin with, which we aren't, do you think you can perfect it now by your own wisdom, your own good works, and your reputation? Answer this question. Does the God who lavishly provides the Holy Spirit, which is glory, glorify yourself? His very presence in you, working things you could never do for yourselves. Does he do this, these things because of your tremendous moral goodness? your moral striving or because you trust him to do it. There's no condemnation when we trust. Jesus destroyed the power of did you do it good enough? Was it done right? You are, I didn't talk to Tony, sons of Abraham. If you believe in God, do you know Abraham was before the law? All Abraham did was trust God's goodness. Do you believe in God and trust his goodness for you? Then relax. That's my message. Relax. Relax. Enjoy life. Enjoy him. His goodness and faithfulness, not in yourselves, your wisdom, your good works, or your bad, but totally, completely in God. When the cross came, he ended the power of evil over you, but he also ended the power of good. I'm going to tell you most of your accusations come from the devil because he's still got power to condemn you. He's still got power because you're trying so hard. And God's going, I want you to quit and enjoy me. You're my beloved children. You know, I know for Ron and I, when we went out there and they gave words to us, all their words were thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending years just loving Jesus. I want to be free from condemnation. I am what the cross, but where I pick it up and listen to it, where I sit and look at the one thing I didn't like about myself or someone else, I'll say things like, I wish I was more loving. I'm not loving enough. I'm not giving enough. Anybody say things like that? I don't say all the words I should say perfectly. Do you know that's a law? Jesus didn't give the Beatitudes as a law. Did you know that? He gave them to point to him. You will never be blessed are those unless you're just linked because you can't do it. How many of you, when you are talked evil about and persecuted, dance? And your immediate response is, ah, I just forgive them. How many? 
Hey, Eric. Let him lay hands on you after church, because that's great. I'm serious. How many? Jesus said those things because he was linking us to him. At the cross, he defeated the knowledge of good and evil. He destroyed the power of it so we would be connected by faith in the power of God. So what he said to the Father was, Father, glorify me. Send your power on my life. It's all I've got so that I may glorify you. That's us. Glorify yourself in us. Not by our perfections. Anybody been on a diet that's failed? Anybody felt condemned over it? Probably all of America. Do you know I read that two in four, uh, four people, especially women, are on diets all the time. I'm on a diet. Eat. I'm, I'm, I know, I understand all of this. It's the humanness of us. But it's what caught Eve in the garden. It's what caught Adam in the garden was somehow they needed to have the knowledge instead of just relaxing. And God is calling us to relax. God is looking and always has been for a people who put all their trust in him and not themselves. That's all he's looking for. You want to do it? Put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. The message says, doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you as a happy, yielded son and daughter. Jesus demonstrated this. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's real life. Rule-keeping doesn't evolve into living by faith. A person who lives in a faith relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can tell you when we were young and trying to plan our lives, we would have not planned to live here. We wouldn't have. And yet I love it and I'm thankful because this is what the scripture says. A relationship with God Wait a minute. I just missed my spot. Rule keeping doesn't evolve into living by faith. The person who lives in a faith relationship with God does it by embracing what God arranges for him. Things not working out, God may be rearranging. It's okay. Praise God. Things aren't happening toward your goal. That's okay because God's just rearranging things. He's got good for you. That is, the, that is the truth. Doing things for God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. God is the only one who could fix the mess in the garden. God is the only one that could have taken the power of the knowledge of, tree, of good and evil away from us and give us victory again so we can live like we're living in the garden today. That I can get up with no condemnation and think, thank you, Jesus, you live with me. This is a good day. Christ redeemed us from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil by hanging on it. There was no other way. He hung on it. That self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. He took all of the curse 
the blessing of Abraham's faith connected us to God's arrangements for us. We are connected by faith to the perfect arrangements of God. Now, I would say you could relax if God's got things arranged for you. How many of you think God's got something arranged for you? Or you think the arrangements aren't so great right now? Or maybe you're failing and causing the arrangements not to be good. That's not what the word says. The word says if you put your faith in him, he'll arrange it. God works all things for good when your faith is there. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. And it makes me want to dance when I'm persecuted. Why? Because somebody loves me like that. And I could have never fixed it, and I still can't. Abraham learned that God was the only provider, the sole provider of his life. He learned it in, in needing a child for the promise. He learned it when um, he had that battle and won all that money. He goes, no, I can't take your money because I, I know who's my provider, who's my sole provider. I see it like this. Abraham and Sarah are destined to have a son of promise. They've got faith. And the enemy, remember we're in a fallen world, sows infertility in Sarah. You think God could have stopped the sowing of the infertility? He didn't. He didn't. Why? Maybe so somebody could be the father of our faith that kept on believing and didn't quit. I'd say yes. I want that kind of faith. How many I've seen quit because some adversities come their way and they got bitter over it and they're not walking with the Lord today because they got bitter over an adversity or bitter over people, over situations. And it's like, no. Abraham didn't and neither did Sarah. The enemy sowed infertility in Sarah. God still did it. God still destines and plans his son. Will Abraham and Sarah hold on to faith? Yeah, we know they did because they're our fathers of faith. Trust in God, that God will do what he said he would do because they had to believe God with hope against circumstances. There's a lot of you that have had promises. Just keep on believing. They became a door and a testimony. 11, Hebrews 11, 11 says, By faith, Abraham's wife, Sarah, became fertile long after menopause. This is this Bible, and I thought it was kind of good. Long after menopause. Long after menopause. We're not. Amen. <laughs> We're in agreement. Okay, God. We're in agreement. Sarah became fertile after menopause, long after menopause, because she believed God would be faithful to his promise. So from this man, who was almost at death's door, God brought forth descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Romans 4, 5 says, For the person who doesn't rely on their works and their deeds but instead trust the one who makes all things new. 
His faith is counted for him as righteousness, like Abraham. So Jesus prayed this also. Besides glorify me, so I'll bring you glory. John 17, 22. All the glory you've given me, I pass it on to them. I'm pretty good. This is a guy that just is going to destroy that uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I'm going to pass on glory. Wouldn't you rather than living under law want to live under the love and glory of God? All the glory you've given me, I pass on to them. I give it to them. Now, this is how we're going to come into unity, and I don't understand this one. May that glory, maybe because we're not striving anymore, I don't know. May that glory unify them and make them one as we are one. Maybe when we all relax and love each other. Maybe when we're filled with just who he is. The unity will come that we want to see on the earth of his people. Jesus said, I make all things new. I believe at the cross, everything was made new. But this is uh, Revelation 21, and again in my new Bible. You know when you get a new Bible, the Lord kind of feels new again. Isn't that fun? Okay. <sighs> a voice. 21, a voice. Three, see the home of God is with people and he'll live with them. He'll live among them and they'll be his people and God himself will be with them. The prophecies are fulfilled. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more, mourning no more, crying no more, pain no more, for the first things have gone away. And the one who sat on the throne announced to his creation, I am making all things new. Write what you hear and see, for these words are faithful and true. It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the very beginning. I was in the garden, and at the end, I will see to it that the thirsty drink, uh, drink freely from the fountain of the water of life. The victors will go to this inheritance, and I will be their God, and they'll be my people my children. Now I want you to hear something. It will not be for the fearful. Fear can disconnect you from the one who loves you so much. When you think he doesn't have good for you, when you think he doesn't care, when your trials are great, your own fear can, can disconnect you. Now, it's easy to turn around and say, I'm sorry, I trust you. That's easy. But I've watched people not do that. And we got to get them back. We got to reach out and tell them not to fear. It says, the fearful and the faithless. Do you know the greatest sin you can ever have on earth? is not to believe 
him? We've been offered him. We've been offered Jesus. He said it's finished. I make all things new. I am in a season of believing for the new. Forgetting those things that lie behind. And moving on. You guys, ever moving on. I have heard older people than me praying and going, Oh God, I've prayed for this forever. I hope you do it in me. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, I'm believing for the newness. I'm not going to stay stuck in something I prayed the last season. I believe in the newness of God and the power of God. So I challenge you to pray. Father, glorify me so that I can glorify you. Fill me with you. When we were singing with the kids on Friday night, I don't know, they were singing break walls down and come in. I just felt the mighty power of God just rushing through there. And all I could think was, yes, yes, me too. More. I've sought him all my life and what I found is amazing, but I know there's more. I've looked at creation all my life and thought it was amazing, but there's more. There's more universes. There's more glory. There's more cells. There's more understanding of science. There's more. Father, glorify me so that I can glorify you. Guess what? It's why you were made. You want to know why you were made. What's your destiny? He's got the arrangement. You don't need to be worrying about your arrangement. You need to rest in. Glorify me so I will glorify you. Now I want to talk about how, God, how faithful God is. Um, I had looked back at some of my journals because I felt like I was supposed to and I saw the faithfulness of God and we'd gone through the trial of losing a son and we'd gone through the trial of, I, it was just one, my mom had died of cancer and just different things we'd walked through. And I watched and I was like, God, I believed you then. I believe you now. I want my whole life to be connected to you and who you are. And so during this period, we did some crazy things as a church. One, uh, we went, went on a 40-day fast, and we took probably most of the church. I don't know how many was there, but we went down and slept on a, on a gymnasium floor. And I'll never forget that uh, Zach and Brandy had, I think it was Ezekiel. <laughs> and they got a tent in this in this gymnasium and and she nursed she was learning how to take care of a newborn baby and they're in that tent taking care of that newborn baby and God moved with us and it was an incredible time of God moving with us and we prayed with Will Ford and Lou Engle and Cindy Jacobs and we prayed for the move of God and we prayed for these things well I had had some dreams during this time and then right after that there was a group of us I think it was 
was 10 of us, and we went to the cause. And Lou was having a time of constant 70-day intercession before he started the cause out in D.C. that Jared and John uh, went to and, and Kendra. And actually, Kendra was one of the 10 that went with us to, uh, to uh, the first one in, in Colorado. So we go there. But I've had dreams. I've had several dreams. And both of them had to do with the Bush family, George, George Bush uh, Sr. and George Bush Jr., and it had to do with that. Now, to understand history, uh, uh, Richard Nixon ended up in disgrace in his office, but do you know he completed his destiny? He backed Israel at a time that Israel was in a crucial place. And his mother, who was a strong Christian, said, I think she called him Dickie, but Dickie, that is the reason you were in office. And she backed Golda Meir and the, and, and the, whole, the whole, he did, the whole uh, of the United States backed Israel in that hour. And that was huge. It might have been the Seven-Day War in 67. I don't, yeah, it was probably... What was it? Yom Kippur. Okay, Yom Kippur War. It was amazing. And here this man was. He didn't even know his destiny was to be for what God does with Israel. But guess what it is? It always is. And God did that. Well, we were praying. And we're praying with Lou and, and um, Will Ford. And there was quite a few others there. And the two dreams that I had had, I was walking with an angel. And in the dream, I saw President Bush... And I saw agendas in both of the dreams, agendas that were supposed to be accomplished during his uh, tenureship. Is that right to say? Administration. They were supposed to be accomplished. And they were uh, that abortion would be ended in the United States. That we would back Israel in the decisions that were going on. We would become a strong supporter of Israel that there would be the end of same-sex marriage and moral degradation that was way away from the Word of God. And there was also immigration. And that he would reach out to the immigrants in that hour with a proper administration and it would heal the division in the southern states. So all of that was in this dream. And I'm walking with this angel and I am weeping. And I'm crying. And he said, do you think it's too hard? And I said, he, I, I don't know. And I saw that they were going to have to lay down their lives. That President Bush and all of them, if they were going to accomplish that, were going to have to lay down their reputations. People weren't going to like what they did. And they were going to have to lay down and be hated by man. And I'm like, I don't know. Is it too hard? He said, nothing is too hard for the Lord. So then when I went to the cause, I shared these dreams with Lou, and he said, oh, this is the Lord. It was the first time they ever prayed for Israel, and right after that, they had a call in Israel. But during that time, we prayed those dreams, and we prayed all of those words. And I think it was in 2004, 2005, uh, around that time that this happened. And I'm going, Lord, what is this, 2018, 13 years ago? 13 years ago. Lord, I believe you. It doesn't matter that we've had promises 20 years. You told me nothing was too hard for you. 
You told me that you would do these things. I'm trusting you. And I've never quit believing. I've always sat on the edge of my seat going, how's God going to do this? I always have, even though it's felt like things went the opposite. Anyway, so I'm thinking about this, and Brenda texts me, and she said, hey, I had a dream last night. She had a dream where I was walking with the bushes, and I was being interviewed. And Mrs. Barbara Bush, right, said how excited she was about all that God was going to do in America. And then the end of the, the word that um, Brenda had was, I then gave glory to God. She didn't know that I'd been looking at that glorify yourself. But I just want to thank the Lord. I want to thank the Lord. He knows. But we're seeing reversals. Jerusalem is becoming the capital. We are going to have our embassy there. I mean, you guys don't understand how incredible. I believe we're going to see the end of abortion in America. I believe that we're going to see at least morality lifted up again. I mean, we got prayer in the White House all the time. You guys, prayer in the White House. They're not embarrassed to pray. He has ministers around him all the time and Pentecostal ones too. Because God had a mandate that didn't get fulfilled through one. But he heard our prayers, and he's fulfilling now. I'm going to tell you, we can relax and trust God. He has your mandates. He knows. He knows what he has for you. He doesn't worry about your gifts. He can fill them however he wants. He's been speaking that to my heart. I believe we're in a new move. I've been praying and I'm asking you to pray just this conference that we're going to. I, but I'm telling you, when I saw the kids praying and worshiping and there was the ones from New Heart too, I mean, they didn't want to stop. It was just like, it was like water just being poured out. They crammed into that house. It didn't matter. God is doing a new thing. He makes all things new. He just wants us to pray, God, glorify me that I can glorify you. I also want to give a praise to, you know, Kristen got up here and thanked the Lord for Ron, and that was so neat. But this business that he's given his life to and worked so hard for, it wouldn't have continued without her. She not only has a heart for the people, but prayed for salvation of someone on Wednesday night. This woman of t integrity, everywhere he goes, they're like, that she is an amazing woman. She is not mechanical like most women aren't. But she's learning how to fix those machines. And she said, she complained and goes, I forget it. I know I did it twice, but I don't remember. I said, honey, that's just the way I am. You just have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it, and maybe someday it'll come. 
That's just the way it is, you know. But she's been there, and it was an answer to prayer. I look at all of you the same way. You guys are amazing. I just think he wants us to relax and ask him to glorify himself in this season. So let's stand. Father, we thank you that not many noble, not many mighty, not many uh, the world wants (laughs) stand before you, so beloved by you, so incredible as creations of yours. So I want to pray what I've been praying. Father, Glorify us. Raise up the mountain of the Lord. Glorify us. Glorify us. That we can glorify you. Our hearts are connected to you. To you. Lord, I want to thank you that, <clears throat> God, one of the things that's, that just kind of stuck out to me was that you, you not only died for our sins, but you uh, died for our goodness. <laughs> our efforts was on the cross, too, the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. God, uh, I think that, Teresa was right, that restricts us from relaxing in you more than, than the sin issue does, God. We, Lord, I just want to thank you for taking all of that. And that we are new creations in you. God, I, I want to thank you that when we relax in you, it releases your power of who you are. And so, God, I want to pray for every one of us to have a relaxing week. That we relax in you and let your power come forth. Let your glory come forth, God. In whatever situation we find ourselves in, God, that you, we relax and let you flow through us the way you've always wanted to. The way you've always wanted to. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We love what you're doing. We love who you are. We love who you've made us to be in you. Lord, I think the biggest thing is accepting ourselves for how we, who we are. We accept ourselves created, newly created in you. That you live in us and we bear your image. We're image bearers of you. Let us relax in that this week. And be surprised by what you'll do. Lord, we just... Thank you so much for this body of believers. We thank you, God, for what you're doing here and how you are, God, glorifying yourself in us more and more and more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. 